0: Are you living the Delaware Beach lifestyle? You can't live at the beach and do nothing. This up and coming year round area has lots to offer. Find out where to eat, play and serve. Living the ultimate dream. All right, welcome to the 302 Lifestyle Beach Podcast. Uh, Dylan Ewing here uh, with Adrian with uh, Salted Vines and this place is so awesome. Uh, We have known Adrian for quite a while now Uh, back when he was Fenwick Wine Cellars and um, uh, his family is actually four generations deep in wine and just, uh, (laughs) you know, being in a business like that, it's so awesome because it's usually in part with having good times and happy times and, uh, you know, so I just can't imagine uh, the joy that that brings uh, to somebody. But Adrian, enough of me blabbing. everyone's interested. We, we always give out your wine, uh, in our business, uh, to these homeowners moving down here and everyone just loves it and just loves your vibe. And, uh, I see you guys all on social media and, um, uh, tell us a little bit about how, how did your family get into this? How did you end up in 302 and, uh, give a little history backstory. Sure,
1: Dylan. So as you said, I'm a fourth generation grower. Um, my, Family migrated over from Northern Italy uh, many, many, many years ago. Why my great-great-grandfather decided to set up base in Erie, Pennsylvania, is you know beyond me. I don't know why (laughs) he did that. I mean, you only get four months of sun. The rest of the time, it's all gray skies and snow and cold. And but anyway, uh, that's where they chose to set up. So that's where i was born and raised we're on the shores of lake erie uh very uh predominant agricultural area uh cherries peaches apples blueberries grapes uh you know watermelon all sorts of crops are grown uh in that little microclimate um mainly because that lake erie you know kind of buffers you so it gives you a nice long fall where it's where it's warmer um and then in the spring it's cold so it holds the buds back and nothing nothing breaks bud or blooms too early. And if you get a late spring frost, you know, you're cooked. Well, that protects you from that. Mm. So that's kind of why agriculture is so predominant there. Um, so grew up there, born and raised on a farm of uh, uh, 200 acres of cherries, peaches, Ooh. apples, grapes, some vegetables. We had a farm market and uh, most of the, Time I was a little kid, you know, our grapes went to Welch's, we grew a lot of Concord's and Niagara's for Welch's grape juice, Oh, cool! somewhere along, uh, <laughs> somewhere along like the 1980s, they decided they were going to quit paying the farmers the way they were doing it, and they were going to spread your payments out over seven years, like you got 70% of your money over three years, a third, a third, a third, and the other 30% went into a certificate that matured in seven years. So my dad was like, that doesn't make sense because we have to pay all of our expenses now. So he started ripping out Concord grapes, got into the cash market. We started planning um, hybrids, like Save Alls, you know, Traminette, things like that, Foch, Marquette, Regent, Chamberson. And he started just pressing grape juice and selling grape juice to wineries. And first it started off locally and then it grows and it becomes regionally and then it becomes, you know, national. So he's got a very large business. Uh, I think he's the second or third largest supplier of grape juice on the entire eastern seaboard. Uh, So he supplies grape juice and grapes to wineries all over. And then somewhere along the line, so I went to school at Penn State, 94 to 98 for horticulture. And I think it was my junior year, he said, we're going to start a winery now that you're coming home and I'll have some help here because (laughs) we're selling juice to all these wineries and they're telling us, Hey, you know, we're all winning medals with your juice. It's good juice. You guys should have a winery too. Cause it would add credibility to your juice business. Yeah. So he was like, okay, let's do it. So, um, he decided we were going to start a winery. So that's what we did. So we started Arrowhead wine cellars in 97, I believe. And then I, uh, I got a phone call in August of 2001 from the world's largest private label juice manufacturer at the time. Their name is Cliffstar Corporation out of Dunkirk, New York. And they said, Hey, we're looking for someone to come manage our grower relations department. The two guys that work there, 165, 175, we've got no succession plan. We can't let them retire until they have someone. Oh so I went to work for this company where I was in charge of managing the contracts for the grape growers, the cranberry growers. The prune growers and the apple growers all over the world to bring in enough fruit that this company could process and make juice to fulfill their bottling needs. And, you know, Cliffstar every, every grocery store in the world was a customer. I mean, any private label, oh, wow. you go to Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco, anything that's a store brand, they made it. <clears throat> Wow. So, you know, we had a lot of fruit. So they, they call and say, hey, you know, we want you to come work for us. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm working with my dad on the farm. I'm starting a winery. My dad looked at me and he's like, Are you out of your mind? He goes, get your butt out of here. He goes, go do this. You can always come back here. So I'm uh-huh. like, no, nah, I really don't want to do this. He's like, it's a great experience. So they they sweeten the pot. They go, look, you're going to have two pilots, a Learjet and an AMX. Starter. I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so at 23, I was flying around the world contracting fruit, um, wow. did that for a couple of years. And then our neighbors from the winery called us and said, Hey, you know, we bought another business. We really want you to come head up to sales. And I was like, I don't know. I have a Learjet and two pilots. What are you going to offer? <laughs> they're, like, <laughs> yeah. they're like nothing.
0: <laughs> oh my God. So I'm
1: like, okay, that sounds like a good deal. So I, I went and worked <laughs> with them. Best thing I ever did because they were great mentors for business. Uh, Rich oh, King well. and Dave Heth. they owned the company and they, they were like a second set of fathers to me and taught me everything I know about business hmm. and uh, great, great education. So I worked for them for 17 years. In the midst of all that, I knew I wanted to start a winery. So I, I ended up moving down here in 2008. That's another story. Um, <laughs> I started Fenwick Wine Cellars. <clears throat> Started in the Strip Plaza, as you know. So mm-hmm. the story on how I met Dylan was, we did a little renovation uh, in a one-week time frame, <laughs> and we were like on a tight schedule. We were losing our butts down there. So anyway, we had this tight, <laughs> tight uh, schedule to get this renovation done. The place was a mess. There was construction dust everywhere. Yeah, and we had to get open. So I'm going through the internet trying to find cleaning companies. Someone <laughs> I thought would come in and clean the place, right? So I see, this, I see this thing for that guy with the broom, and I'm like, okay. So I start looking into it, and he's a Marine. He's young. he's in I'm like, this is the kid I want. <laughs> so I call Dylan. I'm like, hey, I got a project. He's like, no problem. I'll be there. So he shows up with a crew of people, bring their own equipment. They got vacuums. They're vacuuming. Dylan was on a ladder vacuuming this, the black ceiling tiles <laughs> trying to get all the dust off. Yeah. And you could see right where he was and where he wasn't. You know, it, was, it was awesome. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's funny, yeah. Yeah, you remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember. I, I never did that again, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did we. We, uh, uh, yeah. we shut that
1: down and just built a new building. It was easier.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of a little bit about my background. Kind of grew up in ag, went away for it for 17 years, and then came back um, because I enjoyed the business challenge of it hmm. uh, from what I learned through my job and then still wanted to, to do – the grape. I love growing grapes. That's, that's what's fun for me. The winemaking part, you know, I don't care so much about it's the growing of the grapes. I like winemaking is just how you sell the grapes.
0: Oh, so dive in a little deeper on this. So I know you mentioned like hybrids and you mentioned, uh, so I know you have a big variety, uh, variety of wines, but tell us a little bit about the uh, grapes. Is there only specific types of grapes you can grow here? How do they do? What, what do you like about the grape?
1: Uh, sure. So when you talk about grapes, uh, you've got, you used to have two major categories, right? Like you have grapes, and then we're going to divide it. So you have Vitus labrusca, which is your, that's the Latin uh, species for the North American grapes. So if they're North American native, you would call them Vitus labrusca. That would be your Concord, Niagara, Catawba, Ben, Delaware, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, the other side of that course would be your Vitus vinifera, and that's your European-style grapes. So that's your Chardonnay, your Cab Sauve, Cab Franc, Merlot, Syrah, all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> Somewhere along the line, science got involved, and they created what we call <laughs> a French hybrid, okay? Okay. So this is now a third right down the middle. But wow. we're taking the characteristics of the Vitus vinifera, you know, the European styles, but we're grafting those and doing GNA manipulation to create varieties and then grafting them on rootstocks that grow wow. natively somewhere else. Okay. So like a Traminette is a cross between two grapes. I think one of them's a Riesling and a, maybe a Givertamine or something. I don't, I, don't, I forget. Mm. Don't quote me on that one, but I mean, it's, <laughs> they have crosses, right? Like you take two, you take two grapes, And you like that, and you get this new one. So the the university started developing these new hybrids is what we call them. Uh, So like Tramonette's a hybrid, Chamberson's a hybrid, Savall, Vidal, Regent, Foch, Marquette. You know, these are all hybrids that are grown a lot in the mid-Atlantic because they're cold hardy. And that's the thing. They can withstand the cold winter that a Cabernet Sauvignon can't that are can't, um, mm. and that's the issue. You know, it's, it's the climate where you're growing. So now we have these three types of grapes. Native Americans do real well here. Uh, your hybrids are designed to grow here. And where we are here at the beach in the sandy soil and far enough south, we can grow vinifera very well. Mm. <clears throat> As you get up to where I'm from in Erie, no, no go. No growing vinifera there, they die. They don't mm. take the cold, harsh winter. Growing season isn't long enough. And that's why they have the hybrids so it's a it's oh, a whole science different. onto itself
0: yeah yeah so in the i i've i've been interested in this type of thing for a while because uh, a friend of mine who does a lot of landscaping and stuff he'll he'll take like a part of a tree branch and stick it onto like a completely different type of fruit or something so he had one tree that had three different fruits on it yeah i'm like this is just blowing my mind but yeah. so Uh, it's amazing what, uh, uh, the earth can do and stuff. So, okay. So what about the winter do the grapes? I know my mom used to grow some grapes. Uh, so they, I mean, obviously the grapes aren't there in the winter. So is that the time where you're fermenting and all that stuff? How's that work? Yeah.
1: So if you start to cycle out grapes in the spring, like, uh, here it'd be late April. Uh, they would grow, and they'd go dormant. They'd lose all their leaves. They'd, the green tissue would harden off. They'd go dormant, and then during the winter months, you would prune and train them. Okay, mm. then the next spring, you have a vine established. You know, sometime around uh, April, May, they start to break bud. Uh, mm. So that's a it's a term we call to identify a stage in the process. Bud break. Okay. That's when the little buds. They go to a match head looking thing with fuzz and they bust open. You can actually see the leaf. Then they grow, then they develop fruit. And then somewhere around the 4th of June here, we go through what we call bloom. That's when all the flowers are present. You know, if you go back to your, your plant sex classes, your pistils and your stamens and grapes are, you know, naturally pollinated. You don't have to add B. They've got both sex parts on the same flower So they pollinate themselves. And that's what we call fruit set. So hopefully, you know, after about 10 to 14 days, they're through bloom and you had a good fruit set, meaning everything, all the flowers Mm -hmm. got pollinated. And now you actually have a berry growing. That'll grow in size. It'll remain green. It'll grow in size through August. About the third week of August, we go through what we call uh, verasion, which is when they start to turn color. Mm -hmm. So if they're a white grape, they start to, you know, turn that translucent, yellowish, greenish. And if they're a red grape, they start to turn purple. And then that's the sugar buildup from there on to maturity, which is when they're ripe and ready to go. Then you pick them, you know, we pick here in October, uh, press the grapes, ferment the grapes on the skin, you know, press them out. And then during the winter months, like right now, yeah, we're, we're racking, we're filtering, we're, bottling from two years ago we're bottling that stuff now wow um so we're you know we're aging we're doing tests we're blending you know and then we're getting ready to go out and start pruning the vines next week we'll start
0: wow what a what an incredible process and you know to, to know that you know all of that goes into one little bottle and you know it's just what, what like 20 30 bucks or something and it's like holy cow this is like a huge like a long process it is uh, that's it pretty is. incredible so okay so now you guys have continuously added more and more grapes onto your uh land and uh so you guys are in frankfurt and before we get too far guys uh if this is sounding like you know somewhere where you want to check out these guys got events and all kinds of stuff going on you want to check out saltedvines.com and also check out their facebook uh, we'll put all the links down below if you guys are looking um to meet up with these guys and check out some of their wine and it's nice that you guys are so local here and serving the whole uh, uh, area here. Um, now, have you, you've been adding on grapes uh, to your land. Have you filled up the entire area that you want to do? How much now, farm do you we've got We've got a 26-acre farm. Uh,
1: right now, we've got four acres in grape production. I have uh, Merlot, Kabsov, Malbec, and I just planted Vermentino a year ago. Mm. Um, which is a northern white Italian grape. So it's our first white wine on the property. Um, so we're, we have plans to continue planning. So we've got another, when we're done, we should have about 22 acres under vine. And then the rest of it will be buildings, driveways, headlands, yard space, So cetera. So we got, we got some more planning to do. We do a little bit each year so we can take care of them. Uh, we're going to hopefully be starting an addition on this building to give us more production space and a bigger tank farm. We're out of space inside the room to put tanks. And then we want to do an event venue out back by the woods. So we've got that all approved and we just have to start, you know, start construction when we feel it's the right time. So
0: that's Man, the, plan for rest of the property. Cool. Now, I know right now, currently you guys got a, a few good events going on with uh, tasting and pairing with chocolates uh, so I know there's a lot of chocolate lovers out there and Daisy, I think uh, we just had barn. Oh yeah. <laughs> we just had barn Hill on actually. And, yeah. um, so I love the sloss. So Daisy's actually going to check out the, uh, sipping with the sloss. So if you guys are looking forward to that, that's on their events page, you can, uh, uh, join in that fun. I think we might even do like a little live feature. Uh, Daisy, <laughs> while Daisy's doing that. That'd be cool. Uh, That'd be cool yeah. to have her do live during that. They're neat events. <laughs> yeah. So awesome, man. Um, And it just sounds like you're going to get bigger and bigger. Now, how far is your reach going with uh, uh, purchasing of the wine and all that stuff? How how far deep into Delaware do you guys get? Well, uh, we try to retail everything out out of our facility. Okay.
1: And we do that for a couple of reasons. You know, we've got restaurants all over the place calling saying, can we get it? Can we get it? Can we get it? And, you know, the answer is I'd love to, but I can't because the rules in which you have to do it are, you know, you got to go through a distributor. Well, a distributor doesn't Mm -hmm. want to talk to me. I'm too small. They don't make any money on me. Um, And then once you get put in that book, you know, anybody can buy it if they want and carry it. And that's not what we're about. We don't want to be big. We just want to be the best. Mm -hmm. And we want to remain our boutique style atmosphere where we can control everything. So like here we can control how it's stored. It's not sitting on a shelf in a window with sunlight beating on it all day, which mm. might happen at a liquor store somewhere. Not all, but there's some out there that don't yeah. care, you yeah. know, um, we can keep it the right temperature. We can, you know, we know when we open a bottle cause we date them. So we know if that bottle's, you know, two or three days old, you know, we're going to get rid of it and open a fresh bottle when we're doing mm. not the that happens much anymore. But Down in Fenwick, you know, we'd have bottles open for seven days, wow. you know, because you just it was such a different business. Here, you can't keep a bottle open for two hours and it's gone. You have to get wow. to another one, so that's not a problem anymore. But it's just the ability to control the quality, and then the way we do tastings. You know, when we're allowed to do tastings pre, pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID, you know, we take you through the tasting in a very controlled, educational manner, where you get to try all of them. And you get to learn something about them because a lot of people come in with a preconceived notion of what they like. And a lot of it is kind of funny because they've seen a movie or they have friends that like wine. So you come in you ask them, hey, what do you like? I like dry reds. Do you? Do you know what a dry red is? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have them all the time. Great. So, you know, they ask for a, a cab or a Merlot and they taste it and they got this look on their face. that's so puckered up and it's like, you know what? Try this one. You give them a sweet Concord, right? This is yeah. Walch's grape juice for adults. You give them one of those. They're like, this is the best wine I've ever had in my life. I'm like, yeah, you don't like dry reds. You're a sweet, you're a sweet drinker, you know? And they're That's like, no, funny. no, I'm dry. I'm like, nah, trust me. Like sometimes you have to go get the hydrometer out of the lab. You pour the wines into some some graduated cylinders, put the hydrometer in, show them. This one's got negative two residual <laughs> sugar. This one's got seven. Like, okay. <laughs> You know, you're talking about tens of milligrams of sugar per liter versus none. Like, now you're a sweet wine drinker, buddy. And they're
0: like, oh, uh, this is a perfect God. conversation because, uh, wow, well, a lot of the people I talk to, I don't even, I don't think people really understand the concept behind wine. And if you really dive into it, uh, what I've noticed is that, especially from, uh, it, you know, Italians and uh, that type of thing, um, there's different wines for different foods. There's... Oh. I mean, it all. And what I learned was that you know I might think that I'm a you know a sweet wine drinker, but if I'm eating something else, it doesn't go right with it. So right, uh, tell right. us a little bit about that. How do you find your? How do you find what wine works for different things and myself? Just
1: well, what we decided to do, Dylan, was we said you know there's a three by three matrix, right? So if you just draw nine squares on a piece of paper, and across the top you put you know color, and down the side you put sweetness and you start with on the, you know, the top left, you say, you know, across the color, you go white, blush, red, and then down the side, go dry, semi and sweet. Hmm. So that means there's nine categories of wines, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a, a dry red, a semi dry red and a sweet red, a dry blush, a semi dry blush and a sweet blush, which we'd call rosé. And then you'd have, you know, a dry white, a semi-dry white and a sweet white. So you've got nine boxes you got to have a wine in so that when someone comes in like yourself or your wife, you know, oftentimes couples have a way different taste palette. So if you have all just dry reds, you're only appealing to, you know, that much of your audience. If you have Mm -hmm. all sweets, you're only appealing to that much (laughs) of your audience. Then you, you know, divide it up by color too, right? So So we've got nine boxes that we try to put at least one wine in each box. So when you come in, we do a tasting. We start off with our dry whites, then you move to the semis, then you move to the sweets, then we do the blushes, then we do the reds. Somewhere in those nine boxes, you will find one you like Hmm. at a minimum. And then that zeroes in on what type of style you like. And then, like you said, you can add food to the mix and now, you know, everything changes. Because you could have a big, bold Malbec, really earthy, oaky, you know, lots of body, uh, and you might not like it by itself. You put a nice, you know, filet or ribeye on the grill, different story. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it really does matter what you're pairing it with, whether you like it or not, you know, and everybody is different and there's no right or wrong answer.
0: Yeah. Now, ha- now, if, you're, if someone comes in, they do a wine tasting, um, what, what, tell us a little bit about that experience. And do you have something in between the wines? Do you have to wait a little bit in between? Or does it, they start like tasting the same after a while? <laughs> <laughs> well, you hope not, but yes. So you come in, um, we get you a
1: glass, a little tasting glass. We get you a tasting note. We get you a bag of individual pretzels to cleanse your palate in between. We oh, get you okay. a pen so you can make notes. Um, so we start and we go in order, we give you a half ounce of each one. And, you know, there's a description you can read, but the, the person doing your tasting usually tells you about the grapes, where mm-hmm. they came from, like what it pairs well with what you should be experiencing. Like, you know, Pinot Grigio, you should get nice, crisp apple flavors, you know? And when someone tells you that all of a sudden it registers in your brain and go, oh yeah, I get that. Or like, if you try, you know, like our, our black water red, which we're blending again, you know, you taste that and you get some fruit, you get some fresh tobacco. And it's like, well, what does fresh tobacco taste like? I don't know. But when someone tells you that, <laughs> you can kind of envision it when you're tasting and go, oh, yeah, I get the tobacco, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, you want to you, you know have a pretzel in between and mm-hmm. cleanse your palate and just take your time. It's not a race. You know, a good tasting usually takes 40 minutes okay. uh, to go through all of our wines. Um, but, you know it's fun. It's a lot of fun. We meet a lot of people like you do, uh, from all over the place.
0: Yeah. Love it, man. And so is it true that, you know, when you're younger, you usually kind of migrate towards the really sweet stuff, you know, and then you kind of grow into a different type of palette and appreciation for, you know, kind of, Twirling around, smelling it.
1: <laughs> we call that sophistication, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, I'm learning.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Yes, that's a very true statement for most people. Again, you know, you're painting with a broad brush when you say it, but yes, it's uh it's fairly true. I mean, I remember the first time I tried wine, I spit it out and I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you know, I tried yeah. a sweet Catawba. I mean like seven, eight percent residual sugar with chocolate covered strawberries and I could do it, you know, and I was like, okay, I can drink a Tava. <laughs> yeah. Then I was like, I can drink a Riesling. Yeah. You know? And if I tried a dry wine, man, it was like, oh my God, this is horrible. Yeah. And now it's the opposite. If I try a sweet wine, my stomach just can't handle it.
0: It's wow,
1: sick yeah. to my stomach because of the sugar. So
0: yeah, lots of sugar in that stuff. And especially when you're younger, you kind of you know, grab the cheapest thing on the shelf and it's just loaded with like half sugar, you know, and, yep. uh, yeah, same thing. And then it just kind of migrates into, okay. I just same with beer, you know, when I was younger, yep. I tried to beer, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is gross. You know? And then after a while, you know, you want to, you know, keep trying stuff and you, your taste buds change too. So usually it involves trying to impress a girl. Right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a man. I can drink this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, Adrian, uh, I'm actually from upper Pennsylvania, Williamsport. Yeah. Uh, so, I've been all over the country, and moving to Delaware, man, that's really why we wanted to do the 302 Lifestyle on here. Um, it's just turned into one of my favorite places in the whole country. I mean, you get the different seasons. You know, it's not, nothing's really too bad either way. Right. Uh, so, people moving down here, what what, what can they expect? How was your transition from PA or traveling to – a full-time resident in Delaware beach.
1: Well, you know, like you said, you have four distinct seasons, which a lot of the country doesn't have, um, you know, in Erie, we had winter and construction season. That was (laughs) The roads were always under construction. If there wasn't snow on them, uh, you know, we didn't have a spring at all. We had a beautiful fall, short summer, big winter, but down here, you know, you do get four equal seasons. You really do. That's enjoyable. Uh, you know, off season is very enjoyable because it's easy to get around. It's easy to get into restaurants, easy to get into the grocery store, stuff like that. Hmm. Um, you know, during season it's a little tough, you know, but that's what makes all of our businesses go around. You know, we need that. And you know, it's it's getting longer and longer. It's not just the three months of summer anymore, it's probably six to seven months now, which is good. I mean, the area is growing. Um, I think we're people moving down here from some of the more, you know, robust cities in like northern Jersey and Philly, New York, that sort of stuff. I think when they come down, they need to be prepared for it isn't the city. There isn't doctors on every street corner. There isn't dentists on every street corner. Um, you know, it's hard to find a primary care physician, an eye doctor, or a dentist because they're full. They're at capacity. Uh, same thing with chiropractors, you know, all that stuff. Um, there's not as much to do per se, like, you know, we don't have all the movie theaters that you would have in a city. You don't have, um, you know, the arts, there's no operas, there's no this, there's no that, but you know, there are some gems in the rough. Like, you know, you've got Dickens parlor theater does a great job with comedy for adults and kids. You know, my daughter and I would go there weekly when she was three, four years old and it's a lot of fun, even for the adults. You know, you've got the beaches, you've got great restaurants, great food. Um, you know, you've got good golf, lots of where, place areas to exercise, whether it's, you know, running through trails in some of the state parks, on the beach, just on the roads, riding bikes. You know, you've got all that. You've got a plethora of gyms and private trainers and yoga and all that stuff. So there's a lot of good, you know, and there's some infrastructure that needs to happen. Schools are overcrowded and things like that. Um, but you know, they're, they're working on them. It, it's just, I think the benefit of moving here though is the, the little taxes, right? We pay yeah. virtually no income tax, virtually no property tax, and no sales tax. Um, yeah, you, know, you can't you beat wanting, that. <laughs> you know, if you start wanting all those amenities, that all comes at a price, and the price is your taxes go up, you know? So you kind of have to look at it and say, what are you willing to live with? And how much money do you want to part with every year to have those amenities? Um, and I think that's kind of where we're at. You know, it's where we're at that, that decision-making time of saying, you know, if we want more infrastructure, we're going to have to ante up money in our taxes because it's got to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So do we want that or did we move here because we don't want the taxes and we're willing to live with the no infrastructure?
0: That's a great point. And you know, I'm hoping to get uh, some of those officials on here to talk about that kind of stuff. Good luck but- with that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But, oh man, so we came from Las Vegas and- One of my I mean, favorite cities. Yeah, and a lot of people look at Vegas and they think of the Strip, but that's only a piece of it. Piece you know? of I mean, it, right. You know, when you live out there, it's a regular city. There's no mosquitoes, by the way. Yes. Um, <laughs> And, you know, but there's just so many things to do and see, but the difference was for us was, and we thought we would never want to be away from California and Vegas and all that stuff. So when we came out here, um, you know, immediately when winter hit, we were like, oh my gosh, we made a horrible mistake, you know, <laughs> like everything shut down. Well, that was almost 10 years ago. And since then it's become more of a year round thing. Yeah. And I think people can really appreciate um, Although like New York, D.C., Vegas, all those places, you have like these big, robust, uh, you know, convention centers and stuff like that. But when you get down to the beach area, you get more of like a privatized one on one intimate setting, you know, where you can still do anything you want to do. But it's more in lines of like a little single place where there's maybe like 20 people, you know. Right. Right. And actually, once you get used to that, you appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's really refreshing. Yeah. You get to know people, you know. Uh, really cool, man. I love this stuff. So, okay, Jordan, what was one of your biggest mistakes uh, being in business? <laughs> oh, boy. There's
1: lots of those.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you want the biggest one?
1: Uh, the biggest one, looking back on it with the knowledge I have now, I would say was starting – my business Fenwick wine cellars with the knowledge I had from a different geographic region thinking mm. it would work here. And what I mean by that is at home wineries are all called wine cellars. So like in the town I'm in, there's like 15 wineries and they're all wine cellars, Arrowhead wine cellars, Presque isle wine cellars, heritage wine cellars, you know, and you just go right down the list. So naturally, I thought it should be Fenwick Wine Cellars. (laughs) So, boy, was I wrong. (laughs) You know, people come in, they think you're a high-end liquor store, and they're asking for all this stuff. I'm like, we're a winery, and they're looking at you like, winery? (laughs) Nah, it's not a winery. This is a Fenwick Wine Cellars, it's a liquor store. And, you know, we fought that for the six years we were there. Hmm. And then the other big mistake, which, you know, we kind of knew we were doing was the location. But, you know, we had to do a test to see if the area and the market could support a winery and mm-hmm. so we, we rented that space you saw in Fenwick in a strip plaza well you know it just it just didn't work so after like three years of just losing 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 I called you know a guy we both know Len Kidwell at SCORE and said hey look you know we used SCORE to start our winery at home 20 years ago and it was real successful I remember the experience it was great I said why I didn't call you up front i don't know i just forgot so but here i am come help me you know so he shows up and did a couple you know did, did the original interview and he did all his fact finding and he goes okay we're going to lunch i've got some recommendations for you i'm like all sudden i got a pad and paper i'm ready to go i'm going to lunch meeting them. you know and he goes you can you can put that away because you don't need that and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, this is simple. You're not going to need your patent paper. I go, okay, fine. I it <laughs> he goes, so pay attention. He goes, this is really simple. Like, okay. He goes, three things. Number one, change your name. Put the words vineyard and winery in the name. Number two, change your location. He goes, get out of an asphalt parking lot, strip plaza, get out in the country, look like a winery. Number three, quit your job and be here full time. And I go, is that it? And he goes, that's it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> so and those of us that know Len can appreciate how black and white he is with that stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, so anybody uh, wondering, uh, Score, if you're interested in starting anything, really, uh, is a free service for business owners, actually. We got hooked up with Jim vet, uh awesome people. I just love those guys there. They dedicate their time for free. Uh, for you as a uh, someone starting out or in a business. Right. So uh, definitely check that out, score.org, uh, I think. Well, yeah, and you find them through the Small Business
1: Administration Office. It stands yep. for Service Corps of Retired Executives. Yep. And as Dylan said, it's completely free, great mentors to bounce <laughs> ideas off of, talk to, give advice. Um, so anyway, so that was the biggest mistake I think I made because I lost six years of not really going anywhere, just digging a hole um, because of those three things. And, you know, we've now since corrected that and, you know, the business is flourishing. So um, that was probably the single biggest mistake.
0: So what I'm hearing, Adrian, and for any of you guys uh, interested in any of this stuff, you know, I'm hearing, uh, you know, choose something you're passionate about. So I hear, you know, Adrian, you're just so passionate about grapes and um, serving people and just... You're so intrigued by the process and everything and helping people. And it's just, it really just shows with your business and everything you've done. Um, then I'm also hearing that, you know, when things aren't working, you know, ask for help. You know what I mean? And sooner and than later. The, yeah. Yeah. So in that process, uh, you know, talk to somebody that's been through it or has, uh, don't, don't think you know everything. Oh. And, but I'm also hearing, you know, through mistakes, uh, you might not have ever have started uh, in Fenwick or uh, not Fenway, uh, Frankfurt, or started what you did. Have you not gone through that process of learning and uh, figuring stuff out, right?
1: Yeah, it's very true. You know, I I tell people all the time. I said one of the things I learned in business school that I think was invaluable, and it's so simple, right? You think, why do you have to pay all this money for this education when this was probably the single one <laughs> uh, biggest takeaway was find other business owners, right? Yeah, And use them as your peer group because chances are they have or are experiencing the same problems you are. You know, you go home and you try to tell your spouse, they don't understand. You you go home and try to tell friends, they don't understand because they don't own a business. They don't run a business. You can't expect your employees to understand what you're going through because they don't own a business. So if you find another business owner locally, even if it's as simple as once a month, you get together and you go get wings and a beer for an hour or two, and you just chit chat, right? It just gives you someone to vent to, or to, you know, bounce ideas off of, or just chat with, and they can tell you, oh yeah, that's a good idea, or hey, you know, I tried that once and it didn't work for me. Here's where it went wrong. Be aware of that, you know. And it's just casual conversation of just bouncing ideas off of other people that are in the same situations, you know. And it it, it that was for me the biggest thing. I talk to people all the time. And a lot of people come to me and ask questions. I'm like, "What are you coming to me for?" Like, I'm I'm dumb, you know. They're like, "No, you've done it though." I'm like, "I failed a lot. That's how I did it though." <laughs> yeah.
0: So. yeah. A lot of times, you really need that uh, that failure, and um, you can you can get hung up on the past or the problems or the mistakes. But you know, a wise person learns from those and isn't afraid to ask for help. And I think that's the whole process. And yeah, and I I we've had a coach for. Uh, many years, and it's definitely transformed our lives and our business. And our employees uh, are better for it. The community—we're able to serve more people because of it. And I, I always look at it as like a different perspective on stuff. You know what I mean? They yeah. don't say, "Well, do this or do that." Well, uh, he might, but it's—it's uh, um, yeah. it's a look. This is this is my suggestion. This is something that I, based on my experience, will work. And, you know, as a person making your own life, you know, you can choose to go or not, but a lot of times it'll save you years of headaches and problems. Uh, and that's with anything. I think just not in business, but just life in general, you know, sometimes don't be scared to ask for help. So. Yep, agreed. And I love it. All right, Adrian, what's your favorite place to eat in the 302?
1: <laughs> in the 302. That's a hard one. Favorite place probably would be One Coastal. Um, oh. It's a tough place. Tough answer though. I've got a couple yeah. others that are really high up. Yeah, it depends what mood you're in. You know, like if I <laughs> want to go out and get, if I want to have a good drink with dinner. I'm I'm going to probably go to one Coastal. I want to have a nice glass of wine, have a nice Italian meal. I'm going to Perucci's. Um, yeah, love it. I, I love those two places. And you know they're they're close to us, and we know the owners. Great friends, um, great businesses. There's a lot of other ones out there. You know, there's a lot of so good many. Restaurants. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I think that's one of the, the best things I love about this place. Is there's so many good places to eat and the people oh, wow. are just always amazing. You know, Yeah. It's... all right, guys, uh, you heard everything. Uh, Salted Vines, check them out. They've got uh, all kinds of cool stuff coming up. And this year I'm sure is going to be great. Uh, here we go. Lightning round. Best book, tool, software or video. And why is it so great?
1: Best book,
0: Art of War. Oh, love it. Yeah. That's actually uh, third time I've heard that. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> I think it, It. Uh, I would say that not because it was a great read. It was a very boring read. But the takeaway, the message resonates, works in business and in life. You know, it's, you know, appear weak when you're strong, appear strong when you're weak, appear in a position of, you know, superiority when you're really in a position of, inferior you know all that stuff to Hmm. position yourself you know and it's like sometimes you have to appear mad when you're really not but you have to appear mad depending on who you're talking to or sometimes you really are mad but you can't show it um and that's i think that's what i got out of that book Control Um, your
0: emotions yeah
1: yeah you know a lot of emotional intelligence type stuff yeah
0: yeah, I love that. And, you know, you talk to, you know, some really successful people. They'll say, you know, what changed my life really wasn't what I knew. It was changing my mindset or how I appeared to people around me, you know, and it, right, be- right. becoming that person before you've even done it, you know. Right. Love it. All right. What's the biggest myth uh, business owners need to know the truth about? <laughs> 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 well, I'm sure you would agree that the, probably the
1: biggest myth is that, you know, it's a nine to five job and you make all this money because
0: it's a 24 hour a day job
1: and you don't make all this money. <laughs> that's
0: it. Yeah. 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 Usually years of, uh, yeah. And you, know, you gotta be passionate about it. I think. Yeah. That's... You have to enjoy it. All right, man. Uh, here we go. What, what is one question I should have asked you and what's your answer?
1: <laughs> one question you should have asked me. Uh, What's my best wine?
0: There it is. What's the best wine?
1: (laughs) The answer would be depends on what you like. My favorite right now, what's on the shelf, and we're almost out of it, is our Syrah Barrel Reserve from 2016. It's almost like a port style wine. They were late harvest grapes, like they were 28 brick. Um, So the alcohol is very high. It tastes like a port. Um, Really fruity, really, you know, great bouquet. Right now, that's my favorite, but there's only say a
0: it one things. more time Syrah Barrel Reserve. Oh, everyone's gonna come by now. Well, there's only like
1: three <laughs> cases left. Don't everybody run here for it, but uh, <laughs> it, you missed out on it if you didn't
0: get it. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> all right, guys, uh, keep living the 302 lifestyle, everyone. And if you guys are looking to check this out, there's all gonna be links below. Uh, mention the 302 lifestyle, and uh, these guys will hook you up. Um, Adrian, thanks for being on. It's a pleasure knowing you, and uh, really blessed to have you guys in our lives. And uh, great that you guys are in town. Well Thanks, Dylan. We appreciate what you guys do, and it's been fun knowing you and you and Daisy. So, all thanks. right, and uh, and also, I know a good uh, eye doctor uh, or eye person uh, if you're we'll looking for. We'll, we'll get her on here for you next. <laughs> She's better looking right, than me. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you. Wish you could spend more time having fun and less time with chores? Go to 302beachtalk.com to get $20 off a home cleaning. You'll be entered to win a completely free cleaning. Eat, play, serve. Sponsored by That Guy with a Broom.